1 through 19 last time, and um, I, didn't, I didn't finish the chapter, so I'll just read Luke chapter 6. We'll read 1 through 19, and we'll pick up with verse 20. Luke 6, 1 through 19, then we'll just start the teaching in verse 20. Now what happened on the second Sabbath after the first, that he went through the grain field, and his disciples plucked the head of the grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, why are you, are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? As we said, when they, they rubbed the grains in their hand, the Pharisees considered that as being work. So they, criti they criticized Jesus, said, why are you allowing this? But Jesus answered and said, have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry, he, he and those who were with him? How he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those who were with him, which is not lawful for anyone to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And we said in verse 6, now it happened on the other Sabbath, also he entered in the synagogue and he taught, and a man was there with a withered hand. He was there, the right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find accusations against him. The problem is, they was, Jesus was breaking down their tradition and Jesus broke the Sabbath because a human need, a human need superseded the Sabbath day. And since Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, but the Pharisees watched him closely to see how they could accuse him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood right out in front so everybody could see him. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful? On the Sabbath day to do good or do evil, to save life or to destroy. Well, no one gave an answer because they didn't have an answer. And when he had looked around at all of them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as the other. But instead of them rejoicing that a man had just been healed with a Withered hand, it says in verse 11, they were filled with rage. They should have rejoiced because the man was healed. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So now it came to pass. I don't know whose phone that is, but babe, babe. It may be my phone. <laughs> turn that phone off. I meant to turn it off, but it never fails. Huh? It never fails. Okay. They were filled with rage. It's hypocrites. That's what they were. And Jesus called them many times hypocrites. Now it came to pass in those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also called, named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, and John, and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called the zealot, Judas, 
the son of James and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. He became a traitor. And we said that uh, Jesus said it was better for him if he had not been born. He was a traitor from the beginning. So, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirit, they were healed and the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and he healed them all. How could you criticize Jesus for doing good? I mean, he went about doing good. He was sinless and he was faultless. And he still received criticism. It, it goes to show you, 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 can't, you can't please everybody all the time. Uh, Jesus did what he came to do in spite of opposition. He came to do, he, he, came, he had a job to do and he finished his job. But he received a lot of criticism for what he did. So verse 20, we start with the Beatitudes. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciple and said, Blessed are you, are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. The blessed means happy. Here seems especially, this is designed to encourage the disciples with uh, refer, reference to hardships that they're going to be facing. They were likely to, they were likely to be treated uh, harshly for following Jesus. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In other words, God will reward you. Christ's poor are rich in faith. As James said, listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen a poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? The greatest happiness of man is laid up in no, in no place on this earth. The greatest happiness of man is laid up on no place in this earth, but in heaven. Your happiness is in heaven. You might be poor in material things, but you are rich in the kingdom of God. And the Sermon on the Mount applies to, to life today and describes the kind of godly character we should have as believers. What Jesus did was to focus on our attitudes, our attitude toward circumstances, our outlook on life in the midst of negative circumstances. He says, he lifted up his eyes and he said, blessed are the poor. Man, you might be poor here, but you're not going to be poor there. Trust me that. Jesus was describing the inner attitude we must have if we are going to experience the blessedness of the Christian life. We don't see things as the world sees. We are different. We are new creatures in Christ. Christ was dealing with some, something more significant than material poverty and wealth, but he was talking about also spiritual poverty. So blessed are you. You guys came here today. Blessed are you. Your name is written. Your riches are stored up in, you got riches stored up in heaven. Everything that you have here, you're going to have to leave it. You have to leave it all behind. Verse 21 says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Not mere, you know, you, blessed, not mere craving for food, but, but a hunger for, for righteousness. He says, blessed are you who hunger now. Are you hungering for the things of Christ? As you walk with Christ, the hunger becomes more intensified. Blessed are you who weep now. And there's a lot of things in this life that can make you weep. But you shall laugh. 
when you're on the other side. That's why we have to be focused. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Lord always rewards spiritual hunger. It's, it's like the closer you get to Christ, the more hunger you get. It's, it's, a, it's a lifetime thing. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast your name and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Man, that's hard there. People exclude you sometimes as believers. You ever been excluded as a believer? You ever been reviled? You ever been mocked for the son of man's sake? For just, for just by being a Christian? Seems like the attacks now is on the believers. The attack is on the believers and the Jews. Because we got the truth and we're going to stand for the truth, but it's going to take, take uh, strength, God's strength, to be able to stand. Blessed are men when they hate you, they exclude you, they revile you for the Son of Man's sake. The Bible says, if you have reproach for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of, of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So, but let no one who suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters. He said, if they're going to revile you, they're going to exclude you. You said, you make sure it's for the son of man's sake. It's make sure it's for the kingdom of God's sake. It's make sure you, because you are doing things right and not bringing things on yourself. Yet if, he said, if anyone suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Identification with Christ sometimes causes hardship. Identification with Christ sometimes lead to rejection. But he said, verse 23, he said, rejoice in that day and leak for joy. You got something to look forward to. This is not it for you. This is not your home. I talked to so many Christians. They said, man, I feel so out of place in this life. I said, that's good. Because if you feel too comfortable here, something's wrong. If you, out, if you feel out of place, that's natural. Because this is not your home. And you're supposed to feel out of, out of place. And the more I get to, the closer I get to Christ, the, the less appealing this world becomes. Do you notice that? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed... Your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their prophets, like manner their fathers did to the prophets. When we treat, when they treat us the way they treated him, it is evident that we are starting to live as he lived. When they treat us as they treated him, it is evident that we are starting to live as he lived, and, that, and that's a compliment. All of the saints of all ages were treated this way. All the saints were always treated this way. So we are in good company. He said, for like manner they did to the prophets. Do you think the prophets had it easy? All they did is say what, what God told them to say. But it was, it was hard to be a prophet. Well, furthermore, God promised a special reward for all those who are faithful to him. You know, the best is yet to come. That's why you got to stay focused. Luke 6, 24 said, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Jesus pronounces full, woe, 
Four woes. A woe is a cry. When you see a woe in the Bible, it's a cry of pain. Something is bad for to happen. Woe to you who are rich in this, uh, in this world's goods. They love them. They have sought for them. They found a consolation in world goods, in their riches. They were satisfied with their wealth, which someday they're going to wish someday they had trusted Christ. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? They received a reward in this life. They received a consolation. They did not store up treasures in heaven. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with that. Money can do a lot of good. There's nothing wrong with having money as long as money doesn't have you. And God has promised to meet your need and not your greed. But if you are to be fulfillment, if you're gonna if you're gonna have try to fulfill your, your life with riches, that's gonna be your consolation, what he said. Because your focus was now on the riches. He said, Well, Lord, for you have received your consolation. And when what is a prophet a man if he gains the world and if he dies and goes to hell? What does he gain? Woe to you who are full, for you shall, ha- shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. They have their bellies full with the treasures of this world. They, they need no more. They are full of themselves without God. They shall mourn and weep when God's judgment comes and the judgment is on the way. The judgment has come in I believe the judgment has already started. There's chaos on every hand. What are you? All, all you men speak well of you. For so did they, the fathers and false prophets. There were many false prophets that lived during the Old Testament time. They were praised by the kings, a false prophet. He was praised by the crowds. Um, because he predicted and he said exactly what people wanted to hear. They were popularity. Popularity is no guarantee of truth. Just because a person is popular doesn't necessarily mean that the person is teaching truth. And human flattery does not bring God's approval. Sadness lies ahead for those who chase after the crowd rather than God's truth. He said, the fourth war warns that while true prophets, they were hated, but they were excluded. The true prophets, they were beaten and they were tortured and they were killed. False prophets were well spoken of, for they prophesied exactly what people wanted to hear. But a true prophet is not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to tell you what you need to hear. Ask Jeremiah. Jeremiah was prophesied and, and they put him in the, in the dungeon. He, he said exactly what God told him. So, so many times you, you, can't, you can't expect people to uh, praise you because you say what God tells you to say. The prophets had it rough. Look at the apostles. They had it rough. It has never been easy for a Christian. Never in this life. Ever. Because we're going against the grain. We think different. We act different. We are different. 
when we are not going to be conformed to this world, we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Verse 27, but I say to you, who hear, love your enemies and, to, and to do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. The cloak was like the outer garment. If they want your outer garment, you give them your undergarment too. You give it to them. That's, that's, of course, you can't. They say as long as you're praying for your enemy, you can't, you can't be bitter toward him. You can't be bitter toward a person that you're praying for. He said, love your enemy. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do all of this, as a matter of fact. He said, love your enemies. And do good to those who hate you. That's rough right there. You know they hate you and you're supposed to do good to them. Blessed are those who curse you. You know they don't like you, but you're supposed to bless them. And pray for those who despitefully use you. You're supposed to be praying for those people. And they're going to strike you on one cheek. You're going to pass the other one. Wait a minute. That's going too far, ain't it? <laughs> you want your coat? Give them your undergarment too. Give them, give them everything. Well, Lord, help me to do this. Because it's not my nature to do this. But, you know, we are not to retaliate, are we? Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for it back. Speaks of those truly in need. A person is truly in need. You give to the person who asks of you. It's not meant to reward laziness. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. It refers to the golden rule. Do unto others, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. You want men to be good to you? Well, do likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that for you? For even sinners love those who love them. No biggie, no big deal. Anybody can do that. He said, if you love those who love you, what, what's, even the sinners can do that. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. No biggie. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend. Hope for nothing in return. And your reward will be great in heaven. They're not going to pay you back. You know, you know, you might loan some. As a matter of fact, if you're going to loan money, be prepared to lose it. All right. You might not get it back. But it's, it's, so don't worry about it. You say, what great is your reward in heaven? Your reward is going to be great. And you will be sons of the most high. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. I got to read that boy. He said, he is unkind to the unthankful. Some people are just unthankful. Just unthankful, never satisfied. You know, even in my own life, I think, you know, God has given me everything I need, not everything I want, but he's given me everything I need. Oh, I want, 
We went shopping last week, you know, we was with all that craziness out there. And it's crazy right now. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people saying, you know, if you don't get your shopping done now, you probably won't get it because a lot of ships are stranded out there in the sea and they cannot be unloaded. They're just out there in the, in the sea just full of cargo and no one to unload them. So they said it could be two or three, four months before they get, get to the harbor. So I asked myself, I was looking, I went to the store and I was looking. I said, now what do I need in this store? I, I, I came out, didn't buy nothing. I says, I, I really don't need, you know, I, I, I counted my shoes. I had like 10 pair. I said, well, I don't need another pair of shoes. I asked my wife, I said, what do you want? She said, I don't know. She got like 40 pair. <laughs> 40. 40 pair of shoes. But he said, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. He sends the sun, he sends what? The rain on the just and on the unjust. He sends the sun on the good and the evil. He is kind to the unthankful. The Lord will repay you. You know, lend to those. Maybe they won't repay you, but we are to be imitators of God. There, verse 36, to be merciful as your heavenly father is, is merciful. As he has been merciful to us, we are to be merciful to others. Everything we do is based on what he has done for us. Jesus assumed that anybody who lives for eternal values would get into trouble with the crowd. If you're living for eternal values, pretty soon you're going to probably get in trouble with the crowd. Christians are to, we are to be salt of the earth and we are to be light of the world. And sometimes the salt stings and the light exposes and sometimes people will take it out on you. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It means that you are doing something right. Sinners show their hatred by avoiding us sometimes. Insulting us, physically abusing, uh, suing us. This is just to be expect, expected. For those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer persecution. That's just the way it is. How should we treat our enemies? We must love them, do good to them, and pray for them. Hatred only breathes more hatred. For man's anger does not bring the righteousness of God. James says that this cannot be done in our own strength, but it can be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you have when you have values different from those of the world and when you stand up for what is right, you are bound to have enemies. If we retaliate, we are only living on their low level if we retaliate. But if we love them, do good to them, bless them and pray for them, then we rise to a higher level because you represent God. As they were stoning Stephen, Stephen looked up in the heavens and he saw Jesus standing and he said, lay this not to their charge. When they was crucifying Jesus, Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It takes, it takes a little effort to love our friends and to serve them, but it takes faith to 
love our enemies and to do good to them. Luke 6.37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, that's pretty cut and dry. The idea is not that one should ignore sin and refuse to discuss its consequences rather than Rather, one should be gracious. One should be gracious and, and quick to forgive. Judge not. It doesn't mean you can't judge sin. It doesn't say, it said, judge not. You know, people who are nitpicky. Judge not, and you should not be judged. Condemn, and you should not be condemned. Forgive, and you be forgiven. Hey, I know, man. I know, I know a lot of people have trouble with forgiveness. I know that. I know it. And you know, he said, man, I just, I just got a bad temper. I said, man, you better, pray, you better pray about that. Because uh, let, me, let me tell you something. Um, uh, be angry and sin not, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because you have just given place to the devil. And if you're angry long enough and unforgiving long enough, it's going to turn into bitterness. And bitterness is a killer. That's why Hebrews 12 said, many be defiled because of bitterness. Oh, I know some I know some bitter Christians, you know, and I tell them, man, you might change churches, but you're going to take that bitterness right into the next church. How you, I mean, it's pretty simple. Well, it's easier to try to help a brother with his faults just so we can cover our own sins. People who are constantly criticizing others are usually guilty of the same sin and worse. Jesus warns against passing judgment upon others because if we do, we will be judged in the same manner. But we are not to accept, we are not to accept any lifestyle. You know, I've, I've I've had to confront people with sin. They says, man, you can't judge me. I said, yes, I can. Because the scriptures say there's a righteous judgment. We are not to accept any lifestyle. A Christian is called to show unconditional love. We are called to show unconditional love. But the Christian is not called to unconditional approval. We are not to approve everything. But we are to not to find fault or criticize, just judge, just nitpick, just trying to find fault, just trying to find fault. Give and it will, shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. We put in your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, we measure back to you. You cannot give God if you want, you know, give and it shall be given unto you. I mean, you're going to reap what you sow, uh, if you want love, you got to show love. You got to sow love. Then you want love, you got to give love. The principle applies not only to money, but also uh, giving yourself to others. In other words, be, be a generous person. Be a generous person. He said, if you be generous, it'd be like good measure, pressed down, shaken together, be running over. The blessings will be running over in your lap. It's going to be running over. And he said this parable to them, verse 39. Can the blind lead the blind? 
will they not both fall into a ditch? He was talking about the false religious teachers, the false religious Pharisees who, who gave the impression that they were so spiritual, but they were spiritually blind and other people was following them. And they were leading people into the ditch. You, you, that's why you have to not follow man. You got to follow with the spirit. You got to follow the Lord, man. He said the blind, these blind Pharisees, hypocrites, they had a great impression on people. He said, he'll lead people astray, fall into a ditch. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. We, we want to be like our teacher, Jesus Christ. You will become like those, you're going to become like those whom you follow. Whatever is following, whatever you're taking up your time, that's, that's going to become who you are. You're going to be just like that thing, whatever that is, that idol that's taking up your time. You can always identify idol in your life because you, you can see what's taking up most of your time. We want to be like our teacher. Christ's followers cannot expect better treatment in the world than his master. We can't expect better treatment in the world than Jesus had. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when you do not perceive the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. Well, that's pretty cut and dry. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you can see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. If you see a fault in your brother before you go talk to him and examine your own, uh, examine your own heart and see perhaps you might be guilty of the same thing, but it always looks bigger and worse in somebody else than it does you. We are, uh, we, we are aware of faults of others, but our, uh, we're not aware of our own faults. We must be honest with ourselves we, and admit that we have blind spots in our lives, but many times we can't see them. He's, this, this guy, he's ignoring the blank, a plank in his eye. Maybe you are not aware of it, but we could have the same faults or greater one, but we should judge our own lives first. Jesus showed that we are generally far more tolerant. We are far more tolerant to our own sins than, than the sins of others. A man with a board in his eye is trying to help a friend with a speck in his eye. He's got a board in his, and his friend's got a speck, which is a very small, like a sawdust, very small, uh, but he couldn't see the, the plank in his own. Jesus doesn't mean we should ignore wrong, wrongdoing, but we sh should not be so worried about other sin. We should not be so worried about other sin that we overlook our own. We often rationalize our own sin by pointing out the same mistake in others. Hey, that's the way it is. Jesus said a tree... A tree is known by its fruit. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree 
is known by its own fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If Jesus has touched, if Jesus has touched us, it's going to show in our life. It's going to bring forth some fruit. He said, a good tree can't bear forth bad fruit. If you, if, you, if you are born again Christian, you're going to bring forth some, some fruit. Now, I know people grow at different, people grow at different pace. And we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. Right. But if you say you're a believer, there's got to be some kind of evidence. You can't just live the way you used to, to live. You can't do that. So. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. The mouth is speaking what is in the heart. Our words, our words reveal what is in the heart. Telling Jesus about the disciples came and they was being criticized because they was eating with unwashed hands. And Jesus says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the man that defiles a man. Father, the heart perceives evil thoughts, murderous, adulterous, fornication, theft, false witnesses, blasphemy. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. It's not that they didn't wash their hands. The Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders, they had a certain way they wanted you to wash your hands. And if you didn't do it according to what they wanted you to do, and if you didn't wash your hands according to what they wanted you to wash your hands, how they wanted you to do it, as far as they're concerned, you didn't wash your hands at all. Jesus said, don't worry about what he said, what comes out of the man that will defile the man because those things are coming out of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So many people, they, when I was working in Wren, they were just filthy mouths, filth, filthy mouths. And they said, oh, man, I didn't see you standing there. I said, yes, you did. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke. That's, that's what you did. You spoke what was in the heart. Jesus said, well, Verse 46, why you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? If you call him Lord, you must obey him what he tells you to do. Simple. What is he telling you to do? What is on your heart? Do you know that you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Do you know that? Do you know that's why Satan don't like you? Do you know that's why you're having such a hard time sometimes? Because Satan is trying to defeat you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? If you, call, if you call him Lord, that means you have completely surrendered your life to him. You're not in control anymore. You have given him the reins. You have given him control. Whoever comes to me and hear my saying and does them, verse 47, I got that underlined in my Bible here. Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, so he, he, he don't he don't say if you just heard it. He didn't say if you just heard it. He said, who does them? I will show you whom he is like. And and does them. And not just words, 
He said, who does them? I'll show you what he's like. It's important how much um, of the word. It's not important, really, how much of the word we know. What's really important is how much of the word we obey. That's, that's what it is. It's not important that you can throw scripture around. The important thing is how much are you obeying? How much are you putting into practice? He said, if you hear these words of mine, and if you do them and does them, I will show you for whom was like. <laughs> he is like a man building a house. Verse 48. Who dug deep. And laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods came and the streams beat firmly against the house, and he could not shake it, for it was built on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, this man, he did nothing. It's like a man who built a house on the, on the earth without a foundation. Now, how are you going to build a house without a foundation? It's what he said. Against which the stream beat firmly. And immediately it fell, and the ruins of the house was great. Our Lord here, emphasis on obedience. It is not enough merely to hear the word of God. We must obey it, what it tells us. All of us are like builders. We must be careful what we build upon. That rock is Christ. On that, on that solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. What are you building on? For there's no foundation can anyone lay than which is laid but Jesus Christ. If you build it on any other foundation, it's going to crumble. The, the storms will come, the storms come, the trial come, it's going to crumble. So you've got to be building on the, on the right foundation. Not just, lift, not just lift service. We have to obey what he tells us to do. We have to be really careful what we're building on. And if you're building on, right, on, on that foundation, Jesus Christ, you know what? You have a sure foundation. Ain't nothing going to shake it. Nothing. Oh, well, look at the world's mess. Don't care. You build it on the foundation that's going to stand through trials. It's going to stand through anything because your faith is not in this world. Your faith is in Christ. And Jesus has never failed. Never. He's never been wrong and he never lost a battle. And that's why I serve him because he's always right. He's always right. Now, I don't understand everything, but I know if I follow him and I got to be watching. I got to watch because there's so many influences out there. There are so many influences out there that's trying to take our focus and our attention away from Christ. Isn't it? Everything out there wants your attention. Social media, your internet, you know, it's just garbage, man. It's a bunch of garbage. Lying to people, just lying to them. And people are believing it. You build on Christ. You walk with him. Jesus said he came and he was going to be going to the cross. He said, can't y'all watch with me for one hour? One hour. There's no way, there's nobody in this church should not even spend at least one hour with Christ every day. One hour. I can't wait to know Saturday, Saturday night to come out here and say, well, man, what am I going to say? 
I'm going to be with Christ every day. Every day. And I face every day head on in the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Spirit. And I'm not afraid of nothing. I'm not afraid of not even death. Everybody's being so, everybody's so in fear now. Fear controls people. The media, fear, fear, fear. Man, God did not give you a spirit of fear. Don't go for it, man. Don't feed on that garbage. Don't feed on it. Because it's going to affect how you think. That is the foundation. You're on the right track. You know where you're going. You've been forgiven. Your, your, your name has been in the Lamb Book of Life. And you know good and well in the end you're going to win. You know that. Amen. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't be looking about all this stuff going on in the world. It's a big distraction. And it will take away your joy. And it will take away your peace. So you continue now to build on that foundation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to come and if you're here today and you have never put your faith in Christ this is your day Jesus said I am the way not a way I am the way the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father. But by me. If you trust in anybody else for your salvation. If you trust in anybody else for heaven. No. Put your faith in Christ today. Anyone here before we close. I want to I tell everybody how to get there. Because a lot of people don't know. That's why I give... Altar calls. A lot of people don't know how to be saved. A lot of people think it's because they're good people. They don't, they're going to they're gonna make it in. They're going to make it in because their grandparents were Christians. You cannot ride on the coattail of somebody else. you got to receive Christ for yourself. Let's all stand. That's the mountain, Daniel.